I am firmly a believer that the Lord hasn't called the church to store up money. And we're not called to store up people. We're not called to, to store up crowds to claim how many people came to this church. We are called to give our life away for the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. our Savior and our Lord. And when you give, that's what it's all about. Praise God. So let's take a look at Joshua. It's important to know that grit is something that uh, psychologist Angela Duckworth wrote a best-selling book about. And uh, she said one characteristic emerged for a significant predictor of success. And this is across people of all fields, right? And she said it wasn't social intelligence. It wasn't good looks or physical health. It wasn't IQ. She said it was grit. And she defines grit this way. Grit is doing what you don't want to do to be what you want to be. I would define spiritual grit as doing what God's called you to do so you can be all he wants you to be. And our desire as we look at Joshua is how do we do that? How does that happen? I mean, when I think about that, I get this idea. There's, there's, this, there's a new leader in town, and the new leader is Joshua. Moses has died. He's moving on. His name's mentioned 50 times in the book of Joshua, so they're honoring him, him well. But God spent plenty of years preparing Joshua for his calling, all the way from being a slave to being a warrior. He's allowed Joshua to see the good and the bad of how Moses is led. He's seen the problems and the challenges of the people because he's been part of it. And so he gets this whole process moving. Now, it's important to know that the people of Israel have wandered for 40 years, and here they are on this side of the Jordan River, and they're ready to walk into the promised land, Canaan. But over here in the promised land, there is problems. There are people that they're going to have to deal with in that land. You see, God promised Abraham that the people of Israel would have this land. God never promised that the land would be free. God never promised that it would be easy. Just like the Bible never promises that when you trust Jesus and you choose to follow Jesus, all of life is going to be a piece of cake. As a matter of fact, he tells you the opposite of that, that you're going to have trials, tribulations, and difficulties in life the big difference is this. Do you go through them alone or do you go through them with Christ? That's the difference. So if, if, if you're having one of those days where we're all having a bad days and you just feel like there's nowhere to go and no, nothing I can do, the difference is this. If you're a follower of Christ, he can literally come around behind you, pick you up, and carry you through that mess. But if you choose to go it alone, you're on your own. All right? And you look at that and say, well, Chuck, that sounds pretty desperate. I would say we're pretty desperate. And when I look at this, I think to myself, this truly is a picture of we are the people of Israel and Joshua, who has been given the name, by the way, Jehovah is salvation, which, by the way, is what we mean in the Hebrew when you move over to the Aramaic, Jesus and Joshua share a similar name. And we see salvation becomes a part of this problem. Salvation for the people of Israel is in Joshua. Salvation in us is in Christ Jesus. 
Pretty simple, right? So when we see this happen while in Egypt, we know Joshua gets prepared for all these things. And what we learn is the secret to Joshua's victories over through the books that we're about to study soon. I mean, the chapters we're about to study soon in Joshua was not his skill, was not his sword, was not his, his ability to talk or negotiate. It was one thing. Are you ready? Here's his secret, submission to God, period. You say, Chuck, I don't like that word. That sounds like surrender. I'm not a surrendering kind of person. I want to fight. Well, you've, you've missed the picture of what biblical surrender is then. The picture of biblical surrender is this. Rather than waving a white flag and say, I quit, I give up, waving a wonderful flag of surrender biblically is to take all your will and all your way and literally just dump it out and take on Jesus' will and his way for your life. That's what this submission looks like. Submission is say, I am going to fall under your authority and I'm going to follow your way. Now, based on most Americans, I would say doing it our own way hasn't worked out so well for us. So why not take on the person who beat death and Satan and evil? Why not take his way? Because Joshua has learned this is the only way to succeed. God's word to Joshua was this, be strong, be courageous. I think he's telling us the same thing today. There was a new leader, but watch this, there's a new land. The word land is used about 87 times in the book of Joshua. Now watch this. This is why it's so important. Here the people are. Here's the river. Here's the promised land. The land is a picture of not just milk and honey. The land is a picture of peace, of joy, and the fulfillment of what God has promised Abraham. So here they are sitting by the river. Now this is important. Oftentimes we go to a river and we see it beautifully, beautifully cascading, and you see the little white caps as it rolls over the rocks, and you think, oh, trout fishing. <laughs> or you might say, oh, I want a drink with a pineapple with an umbrella in it, and I'm just going to sit back in my Adirondack chair, and oh, it's so pretty. That's just not the Jordan River. The Jordan River's ugly. I mean, I've been in it eight or ten times. It's just ugly. It's silt-filled, and there's debris in it, and there's nothing pretty about the river. And this time of the year, then when this happens, historians have proven that the river was raging. Now, you have to know when you step into the Jordan River, like, you know, when you were a kid and you might swim in a creek. Some of you are not that old enough, but you, you step in a creek and you go down, you're about halfway up your calf into silt. That's what it's like to step in the Jordan River. You can't see anything in the bottom. You step into it and you just sink. And it's like, you know, you're just there, you know? So I want you to imagine these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who are over there and the river's raging here and they need to be in the promised land, but over here, they're thinking to themselves, I'm just going to look at the river because I, I don't want to die and step into the river. And when we get to chapter three, we're going to see that God's not going to allow them to go to the promised land because there's no bridge to be built. They have to walk across the river and you can't swim. You're going to drown. If you, if you can't walk because you're going to sink. So what do you do? You get your Adirondack chair. You sit back with your pineapple drink with an umbrella in it. You put on like a, you know, a safari jack hat. You sit back and you look at the river and say, oh, look at that house going. I knew they weren't going to make it. And you say, oh, there goes a Democrat. Whoa, there goes three Republicans. Whoa, there, that used to be my school. And you're sitting by the river and you're just watching that it's washing everything away. So the choice is, what are you going to do? 
Well, the Bible says be strong and courageous. And Joshua's like, people, we got stuff to do. We got we to get across the river. And people are like, no, no, I, I'm not stepping in that river. Well, this is how you die, bro. This, this is not good. But I mean, think about it. They'd already endured slavery. They'd already seen the Red Sea part. When they were hungry, manna was sent from heaven. I mean, when they were thirsty, they, they got what they needed. I mean, they saw water come from a rock. I mean, my goodness. But then they wandered. Why did they wander for 40 years? Because they were determined they were going to do it their way. I, I would argue that in America, we're wandering in the wilderness right now. I mean, we're just, we're just seeing everything that we know just kind of collapse. And why? We're wandering in the wilderness because we refuse to submit to the Lord. We've decided that we're going to do it our way. We just decided this way. But watch this. There's a new leader. There's a new land. But my friend, listen, here's the best part. There is a new life because the promised land is a picture of what heaven will be. It's a picture of what heaven can be. And it's a a picture of what God promised it to be. But we have to step over there. Remember again, for every New Testament teaching theologically, there's an Old Testament picture illustratively. So what you see here is the river Jordan is in front of them. What do they have to do? Well, according to what happens in chapter 3, somebody's got to step in the water. Because until they step in the water, it's a raging river. So, So the word of the Lord says to Joshua... Remember, they're walking with the covenant. They've got the presence of God with them because this is pre-Jesus now, right? He's not living within them. He's living there in the covenant with them. So they go to, co- they go to walk into the river and Joshua says, whoa, 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 whoa. What I want you to do is I want you to pick up this box, the Ark of the Covenant, put it on your shoulders, and I want you to step into the river. Now, how would you like to be that first dude? It's like, I, this can't be good. I mean, I'm, I'm going to die, and then God's going to float down the river, and we're dead. There's nothing good going to happen from this. But as we learned in chapter 3, the minute he steps his foot in the water, and his foot starts, and he thinks it's going into the silt, all of a sudden, it dries up, and he's on dry land, and there's no sinking. <clears throat> now, watch this. If you're that dude, what are you thinking? Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave, right? Because it's like, I, I thought I was going to die, but no, he's got me. Now watch this. This is important. Across the river represents the Christian life as it ought to be. Now hear these words, conflict and victory, faith and obedience, spiritual riches and rest. But did you hear the first word? Conflict. Listen, Jesus never promised that following him would be easy. I mean, it it wasn't easy for the disciples, and it's not easy for us. And you say, well, Chuck, listen, I I don't know if I can trust God like they did. Well, then what are you waiting for? Well, Chuck, if I step into the water at work and utter the name Jesus with somebody, they're going to think I'm a freak. Let me help you with this. You ready? They already think you're a freak. (laughs) Just go all the way over the edge right? You know, you know what I've learned to do, especially most of you are never, ever going to look at somebody and say, Hey, um, tell me what you think about God. Because it's like, but that's personal, Chuck. It's kind of personal. I don't want to invade their space. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you better invade their face so they can know me. You say, but Chuck, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be rejected. How many times are you rejected already? 
I mean, come on, we live in a world that rejects us. And I, here's what I've learned to do. If, if you're not comfortable asking somebody what they think about God and their relationship with the Lord Jesus, here's what I would encourage you to do. You ready? Here's the simplest way to share your faith. I mean, it's absolutely foolproof. You ready? Hey, later today, I'm going to pray. How can I pray for you? I've been blown off a thousand times trying to share Jesus with somebody. Not one person has ever said to me, don't pray for me, ever. I mean, I've had atheists say, oh, yo, you want to? Go ahead. All I would say to you is this. The simplest way to do that is say, how can I pray for you? Now, watch this. Hear your pastor on this one. If you want to experience the blessing of God, when you say to somebody, I'm going to pray for you, you doggone better sure pray for them. Because Jesus doesn't play with those kind of promises. And I believe with all my heart that what's happening to us is, is that the Jordan River is in context to Sugar Hill Church in this way. We have fought for 11 years to get debt free and we're standing by the River Jordan. Amen. I mean, we've, we've watched money flow down the river. We've watched debt payments flow down the river. We've seen, we've seen it all happen. We, we've seen new leaders come and go. We've seen people come and go. We've seen changes in the church come and go, and we could sit by the River Jordan, and we could say, I want one of those pineapple drinks and an Adirondack chair, and by the way, could I get me a new pair of shorts, because these are getting a little tight. Because the easiest thing for a church to do is just, just grow fat and lazy and just watch the river. I mean, the easiest thing to do is say, we did it. We're debt-free. Now, let's don't give anything to the Lord. Let's just show up and let's hug each other. But listen to me, church. Jesus said, here's my command to you. Go, don't hang around, go make disciples, which by the way means share me. You can trust me to do the work, just share me. And then when somebody says yes to me, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. It's that simple. Some of you in here have, you've prayed with me right in this room to give your life to Christ, and you've never taken that bold and courageous step to get baptized. And you know why? It's like, I'm good sitting by the river. I'll just watch it all. I watch all those other people get baptized. And you know what you're saying? No thanks to the blessings of God. No thanks to being obedient to God. I'm just, I'm just going to do my thing. Give me the Adirondack chair. Give me the hat. Give me the drink. I'm good. I'm just going to watch the river. And you see, I look at this and I think, are, are we really, are, gonna, are we going to recognize that the, the Jordan is our COVID, our racial and political upheaval? Is it our challenge to ethics and decency and kindness and gracious? Is it, it, does it rep represent economic uncertainty in a post-Christian world and a post-church world and cultures and changes in leadership and lack of resources? We just, Chuck, we just, we just can't do anymore. We're just, we're just doing all we can do. I mean, the problem is we think we're doing it. We don't, we're not counting on us. We're counting on our submission to Christ and him doing it. I mean, if you think all the stuff Sugar Hill does is because of us, we've missed the whole point. We, we, don't, we don't do all that we do because of who the preacher is or who the music guy is or who the staff is or who you are. We do the whole thing because this is God's plan that his people don't sit by the river, but they get in the river. And we just have enough guts to step in the stinking river. And I look at this and I think to myself, why in heaven's name would we do that? This church is 136 years old this year. Think about that. 
Can you imagine what those 20 or 30 people thought 136 years ago across the road in that little clapboard building when they gathered with 20 or 25 people and faithful people in the remnant of God said, we're going to build a church in little old Sugar Hill, Georgia. You know, they could have never imagined 2,000 people showing up here on Sunday mornings. They couldn't have imagined 300 of them speaking Spanish. They, they couldn't imagine almost 300 preschool and elementary school kids every Sunday morning downstairs. It's a zoo. They couldn't imagine packing 400 backpacks a week, delivering them to 12 public schools. I mean, they couldn't have fathomed all that. But could I just stop and say, praise God, somebody stepped in the water. Amen. Because we're here. Yes. We're here. But now watch this. 25 or 6 years ago, they walked from that building across, across the river, Highway 20. And they built that chapel in that old fellowship hall, which, by the way, still has original carpet that stinks like fish. <laughs> they could have never imagined that we'd have three services on Sunday morning. They could have never imagined that a thousand people are in small groups, adults. They couldn't have imagined that we'd have almost 300 high school and middle schoolers here on Wednesday night to hear the gospel. They couldn't imagine a place called Uvalde, Texas. They couldn't imagine planting 20 churches in the Yucatan. They couldn't see any of that. 11 years ago, we couldn't imagine being debt-free. 11 years, we couldn't imagine doing all the things that we're doing. And I look at what the hand of God has led us to, and now we're sitting beside the River Jordan and are we going to get fat and lazy and sip on our cocktails and look at the whole world blow by in the river? Or are we going to get in the water? Get in the water. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but let me just stop and say, listen, I know some of y'all are putting stuff out there on social media and you're talking on all the like the next door stuff. It's like the, the traffic and Sugar Hill has gotten so bad. And all these apartments are ruining the community. <laughs> I have to wait for seven cars now at the light. Mm. <laughs> or you could look at it this way. That the God of all creation has brought us almost 2,000 brand new front doors for people to step into. And we get to say, welcome home to Sugar Hill Church. Let me tell you about Jesus. How can I pray for you? Amen. It's all about how you see it. Do you want to step in the water or do you want to sit by and complain with your, with your cocktail? You know, I didn't like all that. Well, I, I got wonderful news. You can't stop it. But I can grab about it, Chuck. I can grab about it all I want to. Okay, knock yourself out. But could I just stop and say, these places are filled with people who need some church to love them. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what country they've come from. I don't care how many children they have or how whacked out their story is. They need Jesus. Amen. Why not us? But you know what you got to do? You got to step in the water. Well, Chuck, what kind of things do you want to do? Well, why not, why not triple down on path and get going in those two other, uh, two, those two other trailer parks? Let's, why not get more Hispanic kids graduated from high school and change that, that, that circle of poverty? By the way, along the way, why not tell them about Jesus? 
I mean, come on. How good is that, right? I mean, God's literally bringing us Hispanic families left and right in our community. And you know what I would say? Praise God. Come on. You realize there's coming a day when Sugar Hill Espanol is bigger than Sugar Hill English, right? Praise God. Bring it on, right? Why not? Why not? I want y'all to look around and look how many black families are in this community and in this community faith right now. Let me say to you, if you're here and you're a personal color, praise God. Welcome home. I'm so doggone glad you're here. Praise God. I remember a day when I'd walk in here and I would see one black person and think, bless their heart, they had the guts to come in. And all I'd say to you is, praise God, come on. I look at this and I think to myself, why not bring Meals on Wheels here and go double down on that where we have senior care, where we're meeting the needs of hundreds of senior adults. Everybody my age is dealing with this one problem. How do I help my aging parent? And all I know is this, I know that Neighborhood Meals on Wheels has the ability to deliver fresh food, make a well-checked care, and because of our church, figure out every project that that senior adult might need and go help them. And oh, by the way, let's tell them about Jesus. By the way, there's a lot of 85-year-olds that don't know Jesus. Why not? Why not us? By the way, if we're waiting on the government to fix this problem, we are never going to get it fixed. Listen, we're going to run out of money, and we're already out of money. You can't print enough money to fix this. But the church of God can. The church that loves Jesus can. Especially the church that loves Judas can. Let's be that church. Why not love our senior adults? Why not craft out a map where everybody walks in this building knows this is the next step for you to walk and learn all these things that Jesus has taught us? Why not take a deep dive in men's ministry? Why not in 23 build a boys ministry and a girls ministry for fourth and fifth grade boys and girls? Because if we don't reach that generation, America will never recover. Let me just stop and tell you this story. I spoke to our middle schoolers two weeks ago. It's me and a handful of leaders with about 130 or so middle schoolers in the room. They had not been middle schoolers and whatnot. I walked in and just kind of unloaded the clip on them in about 20 minutes. I started with this one question. How many of you believe you are an honest person? So I'm going to start with y'all. How many of you believe this, what you believe? How, how many of you believe you're an honest person? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Come on, participate. Raise your hand. Okay, if you did not raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, watch this. In a room full of middle schoolers who only think about themselves, I asked, do you believe you're an honest person? And less than 40% of those children said yes. If we don't invest into fourth and fifth grade boys and fifth grade girls, Decency, honesty, truth, justice, righteousness, holiness, and the presence of God, we will lose America. And as for me, I want to double down on reaching that generation. Let's don't stand over here. Let's get in the stinking water because that's where fourth and fifth graders are drowning. They're drowning. We've got to get in the water. It's the year to make sure we don't just care for seniors, but we care for single moms. 
which now is the time. We are right here by the river. We are, it's time to have honeydew ministries. It's time to turn all those fields back there that now are nothing but weeds into fields where our kids have room to play and that backyard is filled with students and they have a covered space that we can care for them. And there's a pavilion out there where people meet and we have ongoing ministry with men and women and young couples nonstop. You know why? Because they need Jesus. Why not continue to plant 20 church in the Yucatan? Why? Because they're filled with people that need to know Jesus. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that stinking grave. Walk in the water. Listen, friend. Somebody liked it. You know what I'd say? Through Israel's obedience, Joshua wanted all the people to know the Lord. Through Israel's obedience, Joshua wanted every human on the planet to know the Lord. Here we are right by the river. And we have a choice right now to be strong and courageous, to follow up and find some grit. Or we can just think, hey, we made it this far. Let's just settle, Chuck. I mean, seriously, can't we just gather and be sweet? Let's go deeper. And I'm good for deep going deeper. I'm cool with that. I really am. But the purpose to go deeper is not just so that you know God, but that you discover your purpose and put it to work. When I know God more, I am called to serve him better. When I serve him better, I am serving the least of these. You know how I know that? Because he said, when you serve the least of these, you serve me. And when I know him, I can put that purpose to work. How about you? And I guess what I'd say to you is, we're here. Why not step into the stinking river? You say, well, Chuck, how do I do that? Good question. Thanks for asking. Number one, you got to personally surrender. You got to say, God, listen, go in my way. I, things might good being to good now, but I, I know that, Lord, I, I, there's got to be a better way. And there is. And he says, follow my way. This is how you're going to discover victory walking in, with me. But, but see, before you can surrender, you, you, you got to repent. I mean, here's the problem. I, I love preaching on the goodness of God. I love preaching on the love of God. That's fun. I love it when I leave out of here and we're just fuzzy. But honestly, what I want you to see is this. As a human, when I come in confrontation with my sin, I, I've got to confess my sin and say, God, I'm so sorry. I've, I've broken your heart because as my spiritual daddy, I didn't follow your way. I'm sorry. You say, Chuck, is, is that repent? No, no, no. That's just the first part of it. You see, repent is that I turn around and I do a 180. Watch this. Repent is I'm walking my way, doing my thing. God, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm sorry. Now watch this. Here's repentance. I'm going to head your way. That's why it takes grit. It takes grit to face the fact that you're not God and he is. It takes grit to face the fact that apart from repentance, there's no forgiveness of our sin. It's, it takes grit to know that to step into the water, I have to surrender my way and trust God's way. But watch this. When you step in the water, the water stops. The, the, the sludge is gone. You walk across a dry riverbed. And along the way, we'll learn, then you can build an altar to say, thank you, God, for what you've done. My question to you is this. 
as an individual, are you ready to step in the water? And if so, it sounds just like this. Jesus, forgive me. I'm calling on your name. I'm repenting. I want, I want all of you. You say, Chuck, do I have to join your church? No. I had a young couple, late 20s, coming to me after the 930 service. You know what they said? We want to get in the river. I said, do you know what that means? And she looked at me and said, I don't have a clue. I just know I want to get in the river. And I told them about Jesus. And she said, yes, that's what I want. Listen, how about you? I, I, want, you to, I want you to win. I want you to succeed. I want God's richest blessing on you. Step in the water. Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. You're God. I'm not. And then the second part of it is turn and trust him. But now Joshua is also leading a people. And friend, Jesus is leading us. I mean, you realize the head of this church is not the pastor, right? The head of this church is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's in charge of this joint, not me. And what he's saying is, if you'll step in the river, I'll stop it for you. But church, you got to do what I've commanded. Go and tell them about me. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them all the things that I've taught you. And watch this. And I'm going to be with you all the way through it. Be strong. Get some grit. And be courageous. As for me, I'm in the water. How about you? Let's go. Listen, friend, he's worth getting in the river for because he'll stop it for you. Let's pray. God, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your love and your trust. Thank you. Give us courage to be strong and obedient, to follow you, to trust you and step in the water. I pray for those today, just like that, that couple that said, I, I want to get in the river, that folks would have the courage to see me after church and say, just, I want to get in the water, Chuck. And I pray as a church, we just have the courage to not get, not get sassy and lazy and just sit by and watch the world pass us by, but we get in the midst of it and watch you do a great work as we walk across into your land. I pray that in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. I finished up the last hour, and I'll say it with you guys. I did a poll recently where I asked about... Uh, do you think we sing too much or sing about the right amount? And about 50% about 50 of the people said we sing about right, and about 50% said we sing too much. And I thought, well, that didn't tell me anything. <laughs> then, then we asked so ask about preaching. Do we, do we preach too long or we don't preach enough? And about 50% said yes, and about 50% said no. And I thought, well, that didn't tell me anything. So I went away, and I prayed about it, and I thought to myself, you know what, we're just going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about it till you get it. I had one person about two weeks ago, Chuck, we, I... I You've been doing Bible books for a while. I'd, we'd love for you to go back to doing a topical sermon, maybe talk about something in the world today. I believe we talk about something in the world today when you teach the Word of God every single week. Amen. And as for how long or how short, listen, you vote with your pocketbook and your hind parts. Because when you hear, you get Jesus time. And when you give, you're saying, I trust you. Let's jump into water. So let Jesus go before you this week and make a way. Make your crooked path straight. Come on, man, that's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because listen, he's always good and you're always loved so much that you can get in the water. And when you get in the water and get scared to death because the world is blowing by you, let him pick you up and carry you. 
like a man in the water that cannot swim and he picks you up and puts floaties on you. And then he draws you up close and dries away your tears and kisses you on the forehead and looks you in the eye and says, my child, say it with me, I love you. That's what he does. God bless you. Go in peace.
having trouble getting rid of it. Thank <laughs> you.